We are four games into the season with Kentucky basketball, and we may need to go ahead and start having some conversations about how the Wildcats handle their point guard spot. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more, and right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. You can visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be having a conversation about DJ Wagner, the starting point guard for the Kentucky Wildcats. He is currently in a shooting slump. What should Kentucky do with their point guard spot moving forward? And then also, I want to give some love to a couple of other players on the team that were not, I think, the most hyped up uh, whenever it came to where they were in the preseason. So thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. want to remind everyone out there that we are free and available on all platforms. Really appreciate you tuning in today. So let's go ahead and get into it. I want to have a conversation today about DJ Wagner, and I may be jumping the gun just a little bit on this, and I I, want to be clear before we start any of it. I don't think that Kentucky, as of today, should make a change at their point guard spot. I don't think that they should start somebody else just yet, but I think we need to be aware of the situation going on with Kentucky's starter, and then the two players that will come in and play point guard behind him. Right now, DJ Wagner, like I mentioned, is in fact in a shooting slump. You go and look at his raw numbers. He's shooting 31.9% from the floor, not from three, not from the mid-range. He's shooting 31.9% from the floor. And that's just simply not going to cut it for a backcourt that needs better production from its players. I, I want to give Wagner credit. He's a very hard basketball. He plays basketball very hard. He's a great defender. I love the way that he fights on that end of the floor. But when it comes to what he's doing on the offensive end, after the Kansas game, you and I in the recap episode had a conversation about Wagner and where Kentucky needs to go with him because his shot selection, I don't think it's necessarily bad. I don't think that his shot selection is anything to scoff at. He's just not hitting open or contested looks consistently. You need better production from your starting point guard, and I understand the situation, right? Kentucky has three different players that they can rotate in at PG. They can do whatever they want at that spot because they have the depth to do it. And I understand that Wagner is not getting also, he's not getting a ton of minutes per game. He's getting 28.3, so he's not getting all of the minutes there. But at the same time, I I mean, you look at the production compared to the other two guys on roster, and you have to think at some point, there's going to be some type of decision made to maybe shift minutes in Dillingham and Shepard's favor because you can't just sit here forever and expect your your point guard to shoot sub-32% from the floor and then what from deep? He's shooting 28.6% from outside the arc. You can't allow that to happen for the majority or your entire non-conference slate without something changing. I believe I saw a tweet recently from some Kentucky beat writer that said, hey, 
it took Cal until SEC play to realize that Shea Gilgis Alexander needed to start for the Wildcats. Maybe we'll see some type of development here. I don't know if that's going to take place here for Kentucky. I don't know if they're going to change their what they're doing with their rotation. Maybe they don't change how they play their player or how they start their players. Maybe Wagner is your go-to guy to begin the game and you just rotate other players in at the one more frequently than you do him. I don't know what they're going to do moving forward. A, num- uh, a statistic here from Hoops Insight, Sean Vinzel, friend of the program on Twitter at Hoops Insight. Uh, some Kentucky thoughts ahead of the St. Joe's matchup he put out on Twitter. DJ Wagner, the thing is officially a worry. He's hitting 45% at the rim in half court, 31% from three, and he's O of everything from the mid-range. 45% at the rim in the half court, 31% in the half court from deep. You cannot sustain success if you are playing a guy 28 minutes a game that's going to be taking a decent amount of shots every single night and is hitting 45% of his shots at the rim that feels almost indefensible, but then you have to think about all the other all the other things going on within the situation. He's a very talented guard. Clearly, we saw that coming out of high school. We've seen him play well before. We've also seen him play very well, I think, in other aspects of the game. Shooting has not come along strong for him at the, at the beginning of the season, but we've seen DJ Wagner have success in other areas. So is that keeping him on the court more often? I don't know. All I know is that Reed Shepard... And, and Rob Dillingham have been outperforming him consistently through these first four games. Now, maybe whenever we see Kentucky take a step into a more difficult schedule, we will see maybe Wagner start to shine a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe we'll see Reed Shepard and Dillingham start to shoot less efficiently. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. All I know is that for right now, I don't know if Kentucky necessarily needs to make a change, but they should feel inclined to focus on how this rotation goes between one and three because we're going to talk about Reed Shepard here in a second. We're going to we're going to discuss what he's done for this team. But just to give you an idea, DJ Wagner is currently what, sixth on the team and scoring at 9.3 points, like I mentioned, shooting 31.9%. Rob Dillingham, 16.8 points per game, shooting 50% from the floor and 43.5% from deep. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable. All I know if that is, is that if Rob Dillingham shooting above 40% from the rest of the season, he's going to have an insane freaking year. Uh, Reed Shepard, 13.3 points per game. He is shooting 69% from the floor and 70% from deep. That is not sustainable, but I would like to expect that Shepard is somewhere between a 38% and a 40%. Three, I think he's going to finish the year strong, at least I hope, knock on wood. But your two point guards there, 17 points, 13, nearly 13 and a half points compared to 9.3 on inefficient shooting. You've got to be able to look at something here. You've got to be able to do something about that. Also, just to point out, in terms of field goal attempts, Reed Shepard is currently sixth on the team in field goal attempts. DJ Wagner is second with 47 uh, shots put up. Antonio Reeves in first there and Reeves uh, shooting 42% from the floor. So not phenomenal uh, efficiency there from him either. But it, it 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 does bring up a little bit of a question here through these first four games. Is Kentucky starting the right dude at point guard? Or I guess a better question I should ask for this current day, are they rotating the guys that they need to? Are they playing them enough? Um, because maybe they work best off the bench. Who knows? But they seem to be really, really, really good and I would like to see them get all the opportunities, Dillingham and then also Shepard as well. So if you want to give your thoughts on DJ Wagner and this point guard spot, 
in the YouTube comments below. You can also do that on the socials at Locked On UK. Okay, I want to dive into kind of giving two players flowers. Obviously, I mentioned one already uh, in Reed Shepard, but I want to talk about two players that were not as hyped up as some other players in this rotation early in this offseason that have really come along. One of them kind of had to, and he's really impressed me. Before I dive into that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at listening.com. College students, you need to listen up. There's a really incredible app out there called listening.com. It can take any academic paper, PDF, class material, whatever you want, and it can turn it into an audiobook. It can read math equations, technical words, complicated documents. It's really, really awesome at breaking this stuff down, and it knows how to skip all the citations, the footnotes, the references. It lets you jump straight into the chapter or section that you want to listen to. It even has a one-click note-taking button where it automatically puts the last 10 seconds into a notepad so you don't have to type out notes while you listen to whatever you're whatever you're checking out. And then best of all, if you use the link listening.com slash locked on, you will be able to get your first three weeks for free. So go ahead and give it a try. It's usually two weeks free, but you get an extra week free when you go to listening.com slash locked on. All right, continuing along here on the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate you giving uh, you giving Locked On Kentucky, making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. If you've not subscribed to the show already, please go ahead and do so. If you're listening on podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed there as well. So there's two players here that I want to have a conversation about just to kind of give them their flowers uh, as we have progressed through the first four games of the season. Reed Shepard, I think, has completely blown any expectations of what what he was going to be early in this offseason, completely blown them out of the water. We can talk all we want about Reed Shepard's numbers, and let's start with that. But I, I want to talk about what he actually looks like on the court and how he's operated within the system. In 25 minutes a game, Reed Shepard is currently shooting 69.2% from the floor. He is shooting 70% from three. He's made all of his free throws. He's not missed a free throw. He is averaging a little under three rebounds, a little under three assists, while averaging 1.5 blocks, three steals, and less than two fouls a game. Also one turnover a game. 70% from deep, 69% from the floor. Very, very, I mean, there's nothing else to say other than, holy cow, he has looked really, really good. Uh, through these first four games. Now, obviously, the Texas A&M Commerce uh, game is the one you want to highlight in there. It's just kind of a a little bit of a rough outing where he only shot 33% from the floor, but he had three rebounds. He had a couple of blocks, three steals. I mean, he did a lot of other really good things for the Wildcats in that matchup. And then, obviously, this most recent game against Stonehill just absolutely went off in 26 minutes. Uh, Had seven rebounds, or excuse me, three rebounds, seven assists, two blocks, three steals. I mean, to go along with 25 points. I mean, he's just filling the stat sheet up night in and night out. The six foot three, 190 pound freshman from London, Kentucky is really putting on a show as a backup guard for the Wildcats. And I don't think a single one of us back in maybe May or early June was really, uh, none of us were really paying attention to what Shepard could be in this rotation. And we were discussing way back in May and June what Kentucky was going to do with the rest of their scholarships. Not, okay, what do we have on deck right now? What is Reed Shepard going to look like in this guard rotation? Because Kentucky was going to be deep there regardless. 
Uh, but Shepard has really, really come along. And again, to go back to what I was saying a second ago, we at points during the offseason were talking about Shepard as a ninth or a tenth man in this rotation. We were talking about him as somebody that was almost an afterthought. Like, oh, he's going to be good, but he's not going to be good this year. And then all of a sudden, even even recently, whenever I've answered listener questions, I, I've been like, I, I don't think he's going to be an NBA lottery pick this season. And I don't think if you give him the opportunity to play more than he is right now, I still don't think he's going to be a lottery pick this season. But he's looking like an NBA guard. He fits Cal's system well. John Welch, I think, has done a phenomenal job playing more five out, more four out, one in, more modern looking sets with Kentucky. And obviously there's some wrinkles there with stuff that we've seen in the past, um, uh, not to mention the uh, the failed experimentation towards the end of a game uh, against Kansas. We've seen that before. But point being, Shepard really does seem to thrive within his role. Again, only 25 minutes a game, extremely productive with the, with the, with the time that he does have uh, out on the court. And I think he seems to be a pretty good teammate. Um, I you you watch his defense playing hard on defense is also something you really like to see out of your guards to give Wagner a little bit of love here after after being pretty critical he plays really good defense I think uh, pretty consistently Shepard does as well uh, I, I think that the chemistry what you see on the court the numbers everything points towards he should be playing a little bit more I think it can let's continue to give him some more minutes he got 26 against Stonehill we'll see how that shapes out here. Uh, against St. Joe's, but Shepard deserves more playing time, and he deserves the attention and respect uh, for the start that he's had. Now, will he continue it? That's a great question. Will he continue to do what he's done early this season? Again, like I said, like four or five minutes ago, you are not going to replicate 70% shooting for the rest of the year. I think he's statistically shown that he can shoot very well, and so I now expect him to shoot better than I did at the beginning of the season, and I already thought he was a pretty good shooter to begin with. But this is not going to be sustainable at the level that he's he's shooting. But does everything else stay the, stay the same? Does the hard work on defense stay the same? Does the the impressive decision-making and transition continue to show out for Kentucky, whether it be, be him taking the ball himself or, or just finding people? Uh, I think this team shares the ball very, very well, and Shepard is just a cog in that really, really good machine that Kentucky's got going here. How does Shepard continue to build on this? Or does he not? That will be an interesting question uh, to monitor. The second player that I want to give props is Adu Thiero, averaging nine points, eight rebounds a game while shooting a little under 48% from the floor. He uh, has been impressive. Uh, I know that the statistics are nowhere near as impressive as what Reed has been doing uh, through these first four games. But Thiero, I don't think, was supposed to start for Kentucky this season. If everything went according to plan, and you had Bradshaw, Hugo, Zvonimir, Mitchell. I don't think Adu Thiero was supposed to be starting at power forward for the Kentucky Wildcats this season. Uh, you don't like the shooting percentage from three, 25% there. You don't didn't expect it to be high to begin the season. But Thiero was forced into a role where he has to play 25, 26, 27 minutes a night. He has to. And the the numbers may not be, again, shooting percentages are not the most impressive thing in the world, but they're not bad and to average also almost uh, almost eight and a half rebounds per contest, he's been physical, he's been aggressive, he's been high-flying, he's been entertaining, he's been a good piece of this team, and he has helped them, and he has contributed in more ways than I thought that he would throughout, this, uh, throughout the three games that he's played so far. 
16 points against Kansas on 50% shooting. Uh, I'm very I'm very pleased with what Adu Thiero has brought to the table for the Kentucky Wildcats through this limited time uh, here thus far this year. So if you've got any thoughts on Adu Thiero and Reed Shepard, would love for you to give your thoughts in the YouTube comments below. All right, I want to wrap up the show by having a brief conversation about Kentucky football because they have finally uh, just kind of lost it, lost it all. It feels like a bit of a lost season for the Wildcats after what we expected them to be at the beginning of the year. I'm going to break down a little bit of what happened in South Carolina and just give my take on the season because you're not beating Louisville this weekend. Before we get into that, though, I will tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. You can score early and often this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options from uh, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more on top of that. So you need to visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season again. FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. One more time, if you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel or the podcast feed, I'd appreciate it if you went ahead and did that. Let's talk a little bit of Kentucky football before we wrap up the show here. This is, um, I mean, you just go and look at the schedule and just see the wins and the losses. This is a bit of a lost season for the Kentucky Wildcats. What did we say about this team heading into the year? We said that their offense would be much improved. We said that the defense would be decent to okay. We said that Kentucky had a good offensive coordinator back. We said that they were going to return to their identity, which was running the football. And uh, so far, with one week left in the year at 6-5, and five, you've not really seen Kentucky do what they've done over the past few years. And I think a lot of people have it in their mind that this program should be significantly better than where it is currently. Some people, I think, have it in their mind that this program should just be better than where it is currently, not significantly, but just be good. And that's kind of where I fall, um, considering Kentucky's improved recruiting. This, I don't know what to make of this with Kentucky flailing the way that they did, just falling apart stumbling to this final game against Louisville. Uh, you are current, You are right now 1-5 in, in your last six contests. You lost to South Carolina on the road 17-14. It looks, it feels like a coaching issue because it's very difficult to sit here and look at the talent on the roster and say, that's a six-win team. Also, by the way, for anybody out there that says, well, Kentucky's run the ball better than they have last year, or, and they're reestablishing that identity. You're right that they are better, or statistically better, but this team still sucks at running the football. They are 12th in the SEC in rushing yards per game. Look at some of the teams ahead of them. Texas A&M, Mississippi State, okay? You've got LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn in the top three. Alabama, who has not been phenomenal at running the football, has finally decided to pick things up in his top five in the conference. You look at total offense. Kentucky, 11th in the SEC. Some teams ahead of them. Auburn, 
South Carolina, Texas A&M. Holy cow, the, the Wildcats have just not been good on offense this season. And then you look at total defense. Kentucky, they're top four in yards uh, allowed per game. And then you look at the, the scoring numbers. They're bottom half in the SEC in, scoring, in points allowed per game. They are currently sitting at ninth in the SEC in points per game. This was not an improvement compared to what we thought they would be uh, They would be at the beginning of August. Whenever you and I were having conversations at SEC Media Days with, uh, obviously, on the show and then with other people, I thought this Kentucky team would be better. I thought Devin Leary would be better. I still think he can be a good quarterback. I don't know really what's happened here with him and Liam Cohen in this offense. I, I, I just am confused at times at the way that things have worked. Ray Davis only got 12 carries against South Carolina. He's been uh, probably the only piece of this offense that has been worth a rip this season. Uh, Davis needed more carries against South Carolina. He didn't get them. Um, Devin Leary finished with less than 200 yards passing, a touchdown and a pick again, uh, less than 200 yards passing. You, you just simply did not have enough in this one. You didn't have enough. You didn't have enough this season. And we all sat here thinking... It's going to be enough because, again, you look at this schedule and we knew the back half of it was tough. Georgia, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina. I think you're talking a little bit different. You're talking differently about this team if you beat Missouri and you beat South Carolina because then you're eight and three. Then it's like, oh, OK, well, eight and three, you know, you, you lost to Georgia and Bama. Duh, you lost to Tennessee. That stinks. But here you are now at six and five. You're going to be six and six almost more, almost definitely unless you just go in and shock Louisville, who is in their conference title game. And you're going to be sitting in a pretty, pretty subpar bowl. And whether or not you win that one is going to determine whether or not you finish above 500. And I, I did not see possibly sub 500 on the schedule for Kentucky this season. You have really talented receivers. You have a really talented quarterback. Technically, st- or statistically, you have a really talented quarterback. Um, you had a returning, uh, you had a returning OC that was really good that made Will Levis look good, and you had an opportunity. And Kentucky just looks like Kentucky. It is what it is. Will they be better next year? Hopefully. Hopefully, you'll be better next year. Maybe a little bit less difficult of a schedule. Maybe a more difficult schedule. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Obviously, you've got Texas and Oklahoma coming to the league, so that changes things. How does Mark Stoops move past this? I'll say this. I don't think Kentucky's ever going to peak past where they have over these past few years with Stoops. I think it's just, we are where we are. We are at where we are at with Stoops, and... This is as high as I think he can take the program and not hitting that mark consistently. Some people are going to end up getting frustrated with. I don't think that's fair. But at the same time, to talk about this year specifically, to talk about the most recent game against South Carolina, just this year as a whole, there seems to be a lot of unearned expectation, I don't want to say the word arrogance because that may be fair, but I guess an unearned expectation for better reputation at this program. 
they're not as prestigious as some maybe some of these players or the staff think. They're not as good as some of these players or the staff thinks, apparently. I mean, I thought they would be. I was hoping they would be. They are not as quality as they maybe expected themselves to be. And I think there was a tweet from a beat writer recently where they had a conversation with a, a Kentucky player, a former Kentucky player's parent, and the parent was saying, yeah, just based on what I understand, there does seem to be a good bit of arrogance within the locker room. There does seem to be a different type of mindset and an expectation, therefore, for different things. And Kentucky's just kind of strayed away from their former identity of being smash mouth, being physical, and being quiet in the way they work. I mean, I guess that's what we're looking at. That's an aspect of this. Um, someone I saw suggest recently that Kentucky is too busy focusing on recruiting stars and not what fits the DNA of the program. I don't know if that's fair because uh, st- stars typically do make your team better. And if they can fit the DNA, I don't think that three stars is the three star DNA is what Kentucky is looking for. Um, of course, that, again, that may just be who they are, but it's just a lost season for Kentucky uh, with a team that expected a lot more, with a fan base that expected more, and I think it just kind of is what it is. This is some. This is what Kentucky is. So, if you've got any thoughts on the Wildcats or this season as a whole. You can leave that in the YouTube comments below. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the comments below. Hit me on the socials. I'll see you for a recap episode of Kentucky versus St. Joe's. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless. God bless.